Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Great job, team, worship team. The girl in the white top that was on that far end, I just felt, Holy Spirit, are you... I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, uh, you're spiritually fit. And uh, because you're ready, he has something for you. That's as much as he told me, so you can figure that out with him. Uh, pretty excited for Greg and Robin. I just got a confession to make. I uh, retired February this year. And the morning after I retired, I thought I'd be really depressed, eh? And I was ecstatically happy. <laughs> I had a smile from me here, and I'm going, sorry, God, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so happy. And I, and I go, what is that? And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's because you completed the work I gave you to do. Oh, thank you, God. Same with you guys. You're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to be happy. Don't get too down. And it's, there's a beautiful marriage and cross-pollination going on. Uh, my wife's sister is a vet, and with dogs... Uh, purebred dogs are beautiful and incredibly intelligent, but you, there are significant health issues sometimes with purebreds. And so if you just want a healthy dog that's going to live a long time, it's better to go a crossbreed. Um, just makes them healthier. I said to Mark, check, because we're very close with, with Mark and Darlene. Uh, I said, there's this cross-pollination going on. Because in his churches, two have come out of Kevbred, we came out of Kevbred, and three have come out of us. So it's just like God's doing it. Kev's age difference to me and mine to Mark is apostolic guys, and there's this beautiful cross-pollination that's happening. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And I like, I feel like, um, not that there's anything wrong with us or you guys, but you're stepping up. Darlene is probably the most significant worship leader in the history of the world. They've, they've had a worldwide ministry. They're, they're, Mark's a wonderful, unique leader and a really interesting individual so you're stepping into something bigger and it seems to us because my wife's operating at state level that apostolic uh, people coming under apostles is is a huge trend in the church at the moment and I think as the world deteriorates as we're watching um, conglomerations of churches under strong experienced leaders is 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 an important part of survival so it just feels like to me that, it, that it's really in God what's happening. So I just wanted you to encourage that. You'll have to feel sad here and there, but be, be positive going forward. And I, I wanted to mainly thank Greg and Robin because I won't be able to be at the changeover service. Um, so I've just got a gift for you. Let me give that first because otherwise I'll forget. That's just a contribution towards your holiday. God bless you both. Thank you. But well done. The most fruitful of all the people we've sent out, uh, what you've done here with property and buildings and team and the growth of the church, well done, church, because they don't do it on their own. It's a, it's a team thing, and thank you to Chris and Tristan and the team, just being awesomely faithful, and it's amazing what's happened in this place. So well done. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know how COVID just kind of swept through and we're still scratching our heads thinking, what happened? When does it end? Do we go back to how we were or has it changed forever? It's almost like that spiritually as well in the world. And so I, I think to be moving and taking positive steps forward and bringing the generation through. I'm 66. 
I don't want to lead the church anymore. I want to be led by someone in their 30s or 40s. I just, it's just in me. I just get this delight when the younger generation starts stepping up and leading. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. So, so well done. Okay, message. I am the Good Shepherd. Uh, I've been preaching a series in our church on the seven I am's of John. Um, I'm picking part four today. I am the Good Shepherd. I could just preach out of Psalm 23, which is an incredible psalm on the Good Shepherd thing I always remember about Psalm 23 and, you know, talking about the Good Shepherd, there's this whole story. I, I can't remember the detail, but the guts of it is this true story. Um, I think it happened in Wales, you know, hundreds of years ago, but a godly mother wanted to teach her kids about God. And so she teaches them from about the age of five or six, the first line of the 23rd Psalm, um, the Lord is my shepherd. But she would teach them like this. The kids had to point to their fingers and go, the Lord is my shepherd. But she would do it like this. When they got to their ring finger, which is like the covenant relationship with God representative, they'd had to go like this. The Lord is my, because it's personal, shepherd. One of her little boys, she had four boys and some girls too. I don't know how many girls, but... One of the little boys tragically fell off a cliff and died, not, not hundreds of feet, but, you know, 40 feet or something like that. You know, the parents were distraught and wondered how he would have been in his final moments and the pain like that. But when they found the little boy, he was lying there with a pleasant face like that. And the message is that we all need a shepherd and we want it to be a good one. Um, If you just think about Satan's failed attempts to ruin God's plan, uh, things like in the Garden of Eden, he tried to cut it off through Adam and Eve. When Jesus, just before he started his ministry, the temptation in the wilderness, he tried to cut it off there. What about the killing of the firstborn? That's so heavy. He tried to cut it off there. The enemy's not to be toyed with. He'll go to any length to cut off God's plan, including destroying you if he can. But you're not to be afraid if you're in God. Um, the failed attempts on Jesus. People wanted to stone him. People wanted to throw him off cliffs. But you know how it kept saying, and he escaped. His time had not yet come. He escaped through the crowd. There was all that. But what about Satan would have thought he'd won at the crucifixion. He just would have had such a smirky proud thing thinking it succeeded but his failed attempt ushered in the greatest most perfect plan the world could even even experience or or think of so your enemy does have attempts for you to get you off track but you were made for him creation and history are christomorphic for you as a christian that means christ forming whatever you go through good things tough things they're Christ-forming. It's funny, I've learnt more spiritually out of the tough times in my life than I have out of the successes, much more in the tough thing. So God does allow tough things to happen. But you know the guys that want to be delivered out of the fire? I'm always praying that. Lord, no suffering, no suffering for me and family. I never want my kids to suffer. And Holy Spirit says, if I answer that prayer, you're going to have the most spoiled, bratty kids. They're going to be no use on the earth at all. I went, oh, what do I pray? Um, 
So, you know, the tri trials are a deal and they happen in our life. Becoming a Christian isn't, now I'm trial free. It's this, he comes into the fire with you. And you can come out unsinged. Darlene does an amazing teaching on that without the, part of that story says, without the smell of smoke on them. Mate, if you ever get to hear a teach on that, it's, it's stunning. Um, so prehistory was planned by him. Mid-history was rescued by him. And post-history, we rule and reign with him or exist without him. So he's got it covered. The good shepherd leads us, feeds us, protects us. So let's just read where Jesus reveals himself as that in John chapter 10. It'll probably come up on the screen. Verse 11. I am... So, it's pretty, you know, where was it where, where is it Jesus says, I am, and everyone falls over? I think that was in, in the garden. So, there's, you know, I am's like <laughs> lightning. Um, so it's not just, excuse me, I am the good shepherd. It's, no, it's, it's just, <laughs> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Or I have it because shepherds in Israel are very different to shepherds here. Here, uh, when our guys are with sheep, you know, they herd them from behind and from the side. But in smaller flocks, and I think this happens a little bit in England too, where the sheep, you know, live under the house in winter for, for the smaller farmers. So they know them all by name. And they lead from the front and they call the sheep's names and the sheep follow. So there's a high relationship, high trust. So when Bible talks shepherd, it's more that, that, Eastern, that Eastern concept. Um, and I heard someone say what, what some hired hands will do is they'll throw a lamb to the wolves to get the wolves sidetracked so they can, they can make a getaway. Thank God our shepherd doesn't do that. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Interesting, I did a, uh, just a bit of a farming because I'm doing backyard farming. Chickens scatter because I've lost chickens to wolves. Chickens scatter when a wolf or a dog attacks them and they usually just peg off one after the other. It's funny with wolves. If they get in, they'll kill every chicken and only eat one. For some reason, they just need to kill everything. It's a shocker. Um, ducks, I learnt this. Ducks... When, when, a, when a dog or a wolf comes, get in a circle with the gander at the front. And the ganders have sharp teeth, but they can make this incredibly demonic hissing noise that completely freaks dogs and wolves out. And so the ducks, by gathering together and going on the front foot a bit, stay safe. Ha, huh. ha, huh. in our day and age. What should Christians be doing? Scattering or gathering? Much more safety and strength in gathering. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I'll come back to that. The, the sacrifice is a big deal. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. <laughs> so funny. I read that. Like, I'm a bit of a fruity, like we all are. We're human. We're not gods. So sometimes we're completely stupid. I'm thinking, oh, other sheep must be life on other planets. And then I read all the other Bible teachers and they go, it's almost like they're saying to me, that's the Gentiles, you idiot. Oh, okay, because he's talking to Israel. I get it now. Do you know how sometimes your brain just takes off? Anyway, anyway. 
Okay. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And that's an interesting ending that I'll, that I'll finish with. Okay. Uh, there's different things where, where Jesus talks about my sheep listen to my voice. There's another one he says my sheep know my voice. And another one says my sheep hear my voice. So you're not a fruitcake. If your friends say to you, oh, don't say you hear from God, that only fruitcakes do that. Well, no, Scripture says you should be. It's right there. My, my kids say to me, even my son, he lives in Singapore at the moment, he said to me a few weeks ago, and my others have said the same thing, the best thing you ever did for us was to teach us to hear from God for ourselves. And while sometimes they'll bounce that off us, I can't tell you how much pressure when your kids are growing up that takes off you as a parent, not ringing up every five minutes, what do I do now? <laughs> it's like, well, pray and hear from God and when you hear something, tell me what you hear and we'll just talk it through. Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon says this, oh, as we hear, so shall we be heard. Because there's a scripture that says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask anything and it shall be done for you. Wow. So there's a whole hearing anointing thing that that can be accessed for you being heard as well so two points first one jesus has a plan for you the thief has a plan to trick you out of it um uh drug addicts have got a lot to teach us this principle especially to get hooked on drugs usually the pattern will be someone will tell you they're not as dangerous as everyone thinks and then they'll offer you some for free a few times and then when you need it they start charging you for it and threatening your life if you don't pay the bills. That's just the pattern of how the enemy works. He offers you one thing for free to get you off track or one piece of pleasure to get you addicted so he can take control and get you off track. Whereas the good shepherd wants to meet all of our needs, but it does take some patience and a little bit of learning. Jesus' life view is inclusive of all good things. Satan offers you one good thing. The good shepherd gives his life. The false shepherd gives your life. David, remember, took on the lion and the bear to protect the sheep. He stood between the sheep and the enemy, and that's what Christ does. He didn't hide behind the sheep. Watch this. Even on the cross, the son followed the father and on the cross, even when he felt forsaken, remember he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the next thing, he commits himself to God. So even in, in the doubt of this is too tough, um, he still ends up turning to God and trusting him. Um, and can, can I just say this? Because we sing about the promises of God. The promises of God are wonderful. And part of our faith needs that. So there's something to grab onto in tough times. But there is a high level of faith in the promises of God and it's trusting in the character of God yeah. and his love for you. Don't throw the promises out. They're almost the first step in the crisis. I need to grab onto something. Boom. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word and what it says to me. So you grab it, but then you're still trying to step into more of trusting God. Um, this funny thing happens in, in humans. <laughs> I used to be like this. So full of fear and anxiety. And you know how... Something goes wrong and it's difficult for a while. And so you have anxiety until the circumstance change. Then, you know, God kind of steps in and intervenes and the circumstance changes. And we make the conclusion when a problem happens, stay really anxious 
because God seems to respond to it and then it changes. No, 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 you're drawing the wrong conclusion. What we're supposed to do, and none of us are good at it, but we should slowly get better at it. When the problem comes, you, know, you grab onto the promise, you ask God to help you, and then you're trusting in his character until the circumstance changes. So what's, what's happened is, sure, there's a little bit of anxiety and worry and concern. That, that's normal. But it's not supposed to take over. So make sure you draw the right conclusions. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit um, is to expose hearts over time. It shows who are his sheep and who are not. And you would have experienced in church life, you'll get shocked at what some people will give in to. However, however, that's not the point. So we're all looking around going, ah, no, no, no. Or get them, God, expose them. Uh, it's not like that because even with Jesus' disciples, they all had moments of having their heart exposed. Thomas, Peter, we could, we could go through the list. But here's the thing. When it's your heart that's exposed and it's falling short, well, we repent. That's what he wants us to do. He, he's not in shock to that. He knows it's there. He, he does it as a mercy to you so you don't have to suffer too much. So the, the idea isn't watching for everyone else's mistakes. It's being aware of your own. And when God shows you that, that there's a condition in your heart that's not quite right, the idea is to repent. Say, sorry, God, I want to I walk with you on that. It's not like he's hating you and you've got to get away from him. It's like you run to him, not away from him. He went to a lot of trouble to die on the cross and the Father doesn't like you wasting that. Go, no, no, not the cross. I'll just be perfect. I'll earn my way to heaven. Nah, that doesn't work. All the sin and fall short of the glory of God, you've got no chance. Don't waste all the effort he went to. God loves it when you go, I'm a sinner and I'm falling short this week like in all the other weeks, so I need you. Here I am, Jesus. All right. Um, just a little grease story before I get to the final point. Um, good. Uh, just read it to you. This was a person who had grief. I was sitting, torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly. He said things I knew were true, but I was unmoved except to wish he'd go away. <laughs> Finally, did. When you really think, oh, that, that guy's good, he's doing all the right stuff. Yeah, it's not always what people need in grief. Another came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask any leading questions. He just sat there with me for an hour. He listened when I said something and answered briefly, prayed simply, and then he left. I was moved, I was comforted, and I hated to see him go. Wow, love that. Love that. Okay. Last point. The key, see if you, this is a good test of your spiritual intelligence. Um, Frederick Brunner says this. So we're talking about the good shepherd and the sacrifice. He goes, the key issue is the sacrifice, not eating mutton. So, <laughs> mutton is lamb, by the way. I think it's an English word for lamb. So it's the lamb that was slain. So we do because we're human, you know, we like all the benefits of having him in our life, don't we? And our prayer can too easily become um, just us doing all the talking 
and now God, make sure you run after me and help me go well at work tomorrow and help that problem get better and I want a new job and a new house and a new car and some nice clothes. All good things, by the way, that he's happy to do. But is that it? <laughs> Are you just in it for the free stuff? What about the sacrifice? The idea is that we, we start at the sacrifice. We're amazed by that. We, we lay our lives down. We submit. We walk with him. We're listening to what he tells us to do. And as we step into that, all the things are added. So I remember these guys, one of the few pastors I've ever known that were prepared to sell their house so the church could get land and a building. There would be a few pastors that have done that, but I reckon three in a thousand. So this is, this is rare, what you've experienced here and what was sown so this church could exist. Amazing. So that's, that's doing it through the sacrifice, not through just eating the meat. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Sorry. It's not COVID, just something down my throat. I swallowed a flight at the shopping centre in the middle of COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> people are just running. So God's ultimate aim came out in that, in that thing we read, one flock with one shepherd. It's just amazing. It's not, um, Frederick Brunner said this, it's not about ownership, independence and self-sufficiency but trust, unity and fulfilment. So, but I've got to tell you, why I wanted to read that out was because I'm reading this in Brunner when I prepared this message and I'm really into ownership. I'm really into independence and I love self-sufficiency. So I thought, oh, you know how I'm preparing the message, I'm preaching it. And Brunner says that and I thought, oh, my God, I thought I, I, thought I was living this so I could preach. I'm miles away. So I had to stop, you know, and, and have prayer and just... Not become perfect, but just go, God, I, I, I haven't nailed those things well enough yet. They're, they're good qualities in their own right, but I'm going for too much of them at the expense of, of you and my life. So can you help me just get a bit better balanced on those things? Um, so we, we need a shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. So um, Ros and I met at Teachers College and we became Christians in our last year of Teachers College. But in the year before that, in the middle year, um, uh, it's like God just started showing us our need for him. Our specialty was avoiding responsibility. P's get degrees, so we do as little work as possible on all our assignments. And we just were irresponsible, selfish. <laughs> Why? Why he wanted us as Christians or even called us to the ministry is still a complete mystery. Because in that year of college, we both nearly got kicked out. <laughs> Roz nearly got kicked out because um, when she did a teacher's prac and, you know, she was before the kids, she wanted all the kids to like her, like we do. We don't want a people, please. We want people to like us. Well, kids can like you, but they'll still misbehave. And so the kids would play up, wouldn't do what she said. So what would she do? She would burst into tears in front of the kids. And so... The, you know, the teacher would report this to the official from the college. You know, this chick's hopeless. She just bursts into tears every time the kids do something wrong. So they said, look, if you can't overcome that, you'll, you'll, we're not going to pass you. You'll have to leave college. So that, that's Roz. Not me. I went big time. 
We're in the final exams of second year. So it's been two years of really hard work. We're in our final exams, and I've had a gutful. I want to go on holidays. And the lady in charge of the exam room um, just sat there and never did anything. So I'm cracking the odd joke and throwing things. And she didn't do anything. I thought, this is so funny. I got my pea shooter out of my pencil case and I'm hitting people in the back of the head when they're trying to... <laughs> they'd be looking around. You know how you put your head down and... Oh, I'm in stitches. I'm just having a ball. Um, she didn't do anything. But the next week I get called up before the board of the university. And they go, we're expelling you from college. I went, oh, what for? Like, a, no clue. Because you, you completely misbehaved in your final. I said, yeah, but she didn't pull me in the line. They said, That's not, you're not at school. <laughs> Stop being an emotional baby. You're going to teach it at school and you weren't mature enough to handle it. So we're going to ask you to leave. And I, I just stayed home and said, look, I'm really sorry. Please don't do that. So anyway, they went away and talked and they came back and they said, OK, but Jacko, you're on your final warning. One more false move, you're out. Thank God, hey, because the teaching ended up being that, you know, we, we get saved the next year, we get called into ministry eventually, but the teacher training was way better than Bible college for getting ready for them. Bible college was useless for teaching me anything about the ministry. Um, <laughs> but teacher's college was good because primary school, mate, you're locked in a room with 30 kids all day, every day, and you have to learn how to shepherd them and apologise for your mistakes and parents are pulling you up and the principal's pulling you up and... I used to be late for school and one day the principal was late so I climbed in through the window of my classroom but my, it was only a small opening, I was kind of half stuck and I'm yelling out for someone to come and get my hand and pull me through. I feel this tap on my butt. It's the principal. Uh, but you know what got me off the hook? The principal's kid was in my class because she put him in there, you know, so she could hear what was going on because it was a bit radical in my class. But my specialty was helping all... Because I hated school growing up, helping all the kids love school who hated it. So all the strugglers, of which he was one, loved it. And even in maths, I hated teaching maths, so I'd get the brainy kids' parents to give us the work to do and they'd come in and help and they went great. And I'd walk around with a water pistol under my arm and squirt kids in the back of the head. But they never suspected the teacher. And the principal's son went and told his mum, Mr. Z walks around with a water And she goes, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> he wouldn't be dumb enough to do it. Why am I telling you all that? Did we need a shepherd? Yes. God doesn't do this thing of going, oh, who's really clever? We'll get them to lead the church. He knocks you off your horse. He calls you and then he, he starts the work in your life. And it's like that for all of us. We all fall short. He wants us to need him. And he'll expose it in you till you can admit that you do need him. That's, that's how it works in the kingdom. Let, let's finish. Um, He sees the church as his own body. He identifies with you. He is not ashamed of you. He purchased you from, from God, for God. He identifies with you. He calls you his body. He provides for you because the Bible says, I shall not want in that 23rd Psalm. One of the things I love about the kingdom is the unusual friendships we get where you get to 
blend in partnership with people that just outside of the church, it would just never happen. So can you just put up the photo? <laughs> I love in the animal kingdom when there's just unusual relationships. I've got a whole lot of those, those photos, but I, I just like that. It's so cute. It kind of, it isn't supposed to happen that way. My dog chases cats. She doesn't bite them. She just likes chasing them. Um, so I see that and I think, oh, animals are amazing. I just love animals. Um, but it just shows you, that's what it's like in the kingdom. You just have unusual friendships. Um, I don't know. It's just incredible inside the kingdom, the, the unusual things. I'll finish with this. All other shepherds are only a shadow of him. Parents are great. So are pastors, school teachers, nurses, doctors, counsellors, providers, minders, bosses. But they're not the ultimate shepherd for you. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd and the ultimate shepherd for you. Thank you. Thank you.